Nobody wants to be the naggy, haggy mom. We all want to be the fun mom. But how do we do that? Today, that's what we're going to talk about. Hey there, sweet mommies. This is Sherry Hayes, the homeschooling mom of 15, bringing you encouragement and delight for your day. So wash the dishes, fold the laundry, nurse the baby, or just sit and sip some tea while we dive into the good life in Jesus. I think that narcissistic mothering eats the child to fulfill the mother's ego. <laughs> she pours into the child so she can take credit for his triumphs while shielding herself from his failures. <laughs> now, one thing that I've always liked is when John the Baptist said, he must increase and we must decrease. This is what God showed me about my own children. You know, I have 15 of them. <laughs> Actually, my oldest child just turned 40, and my youngest is 14. So I've had a lot of these different seasons. I've had the season when they were little, and I really had to try to keep them from killing themselves. <laughs> and I've had to slowly let them go. And so seeing all this, I think the Lord has taught me a lot. And I hope this, that what I'm going to talk to you about will help you today. Okay, so what God has shown me is that a child must be respected as an independent creation that he has created and whom he is the pinnacle for. In other words, my goal is for Christ's influence to increase and to, for my influence in their lives to decrease. And actually, as they grow older and older, most of the time what I'm doing is I'm I'm trying to channel their minds and their hearts more into his mind and his heart. Rather than my own wisdom, I try to give them God's wisdom and try to have them seek him for, for themselves, you know. So um, he's the pinnacle for their care and their wisdom. I am not, right? So I teach them to look to God for answers, and this will work my this has worked myself out of a job, actually. Also, as they are growing up, I try never to do something for them which they should be doing for themselves. And this is very important. This is partly why I can still smile and I don't look like 100 years old. <laughs> because I don't do things for, especially for adult children, that they should be doing for themselves. A lot of, I don't know, I think sometimes we can get into the trap that we feel important in their lives if we are doing things for them. But that's, that's not necessarily the, the, the good thing. And it wears us out when it doesn't have to. And that also turns us into naggy and haggy, doesn't it? Okay, our children do not exist for our own needs. This is the child as pet model of modernity. Okay, in modernity we think of chi children as pets. I don't know if you ever heard that before. Uh, motherhood is seen as less as a call to selfless service and more of an experience. You know, it's all about the experience of being a mother. Well, we might have not had any use for children, but we should have a child for the experience of being a mother, right? So instead of seeing ourselves as vessels for God to bring his persons into the earth through, we must have all the things as our rights as women and mothers. So... Uh, the ultrasound photos. Now, when I was first having a baby, ultrasound photos were very rare. An ultrasound was a rare thing. It had to be medic medically 
um, um, necessary and they didn't have photos and all that it was a new thing and so people just didn't even think about it and no one knew the genders of their babies <laughs> okay uh, before they were born and we just you know we just accepted it and for eons babies have been formed been born without the photos without all that necessary stuff babies were just you're having a baby we're going to have it in the spring sometime and that was life and life goes on just like all the farm animals they all have their babies and then we move on through all the different cycles of life and it it wasn't like the 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 disneyland kind of a thing we've made it now i'm not saying i'm saying that there are positive things to ultrasounds i understand it's helped people to understand uh that we just can't kill this creature that's living in our womb you know there's there's some good things about ultrasounds but i'm just saying you know, as we've hyped everything up, which I don't like hype. I don't know if you know that about me. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. So we, that's the ultrasound. That was one thing. We have the gender reveal parties and, and baby showers and Mother's Day and all that. Now, I'm not saying any of that stuff is in of itself bad. But when we forget that it's not mom who knits this baby together, it is God, then we're in trouble. Our babies exist for him. Now, I'd like to read you Psalm 37. And in uh, in this, uh, you know, not Psalm 37, sorry, Psalm 127. Now, I started meditating in this psalm many, many years ago. But God showed me something in recent years that I think is very important. You know how lots of scriptures, they kind of have layers. And as you delve more and more into them and you learn more and more you just learn these different layers that god has and psalm 127 is one of those for me so psalm 127 says this this is the new king james unless the lord builds the house they labor in vain who build it unless the lord guards the city the watchman stays awake in vain it is vain for you to rise up early to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows for so he gives his beloved sleep now the next verse is the one that's appropriate for our discussion Behold, children are a heritage. Now the King James says of the Lord, this says from the Lord, the fruit of the womb is a reward. Okay, so the Lord showed me a different thing. Now we assume that they're God's heritage that you get to have. You get to have a heritage from the Lord and you get to have the fruit of the womb as a reward for you. But if you read it right, or you read it differently, I could say, uh, children are God's heritage. You see, we are God's heritage in the earth. The children that we bring in are God's heritage. And the fruit of our wombs are His reward. They belong to Him. They are His heritage and His reward. That, I think that just puts a whole different light on the ideas that we have. Now, it's true that children are a heritage for us and they're a reward. Yes, that's one of the possible benefits. But the greater understanding is that they are God's heritage and His reward. And that kind of, it sets us free. And I'll, I'll explain further. You'll see. Our babies exist for Him. In this understanding, pregnancy, childbirth, and child rearing are things we offer to God as our holy service you know when when we read uh romans 12 uh in the first verses there it says that it's just 
it just should be expected that we offer our bodies as living sacrifice because Jesus offered his body as a living as a living sacrifice for us. I mean, well, actually he died, but now he's alive, but he was a lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth. He went through all of that for us. Now, it's just it's just the right thing to do to offer our lives to him, right? So it's our reasonable service that we should offer him our pregnancy, all the things that we go through, childbirth and childbearing. These we should offer to God as our reasonable service to him. And also to remember that our children don't belong to us, like a business or a dress we have made, right? <laughs> so, oh, I built this business from scratch. Oh, look at this dress. See, I cut it out in three hours. You know, whatever. I cut it and sewed it in three hours, whatever. Okay, we do not create our children. God creates them, and they belong to him. He loans them to us as surrogates and fosters. I know it's crazy, but we are actually God's surrogates, surrogates. And we are foster parents. He is actually their father. And he charges us with their safety and well-being, even their molding to a certain extent, right? So he gives us these little tiny infants, and we are charged with keeping them safe from the outside and from themselves, right? That's why we must correct them and we do different things. And sometimes we have to do things that cause them pain. And we have to say some words that some people might consider discouraging that are the truth and they have to know these things. But this is our service to God as well, right? But they are just like God was to Adam and Eve. God, Adam and Eve were God's creation, but God set them free to make choices, all right? So they are separate from us. Even in our wombs, we don't even share the same blood supply. And something ha can happen to actually cause, cause them great ill and maybe even kill them if our blood mixes with their blood when they're in our wombs. They are totally separate people, okay? And they are capable of making decisions that mostly will not take us into consideration at all as they grow, <laughs> as it should be. When they get older, they're not going to think, now, would mom approve of me doing that? No, 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 no. See, they're going to grow out of that, and that's like it should be. It takes love and sacrifice to mother properly. And some of this is so deep, it's absolutely spiritual, right? But it also means holding our children at arm's length in order to get out of the way and let God have his creation. Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist, understood this. Can you imagine if she lived today? She waited all her life until, eight, until old age to have a son. And he ends up living like a crazy man in the desert. No Ivy League education. Nothing to brag about to her friends and relatives. Just a wild man yelling to important religious leaders to repent and eventually being beheaded by the head of state. If it were today, the tabloids would be running stories of the misguided upbringing that brought him to this fateful end. Right? <laughs> Did Elizabeth hide her face in shame with an embittered heart, mourning all the favors and honor she never received from her son's life? Or was she a servant who gave her life for God and his intentions? Now Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, it, it may be, now I know I'm stepping on some, some ground here that might not be, I, I know I'm going to mess with a sacred cow here, okay? But Mary, the mother of Jesus, may not have grasped this, at least at first. Okay, I know that's hard, but let me, I have some scriptural evidence. So 
Um, let me read that to you. Um, let's see. Let me go to Mark chapter 3. Okay, I'm going to go to Mark chapter 3. And I'm going to do verses 20 through 21 and 31 through 35. So, in chapter 3, in verse 20, we read, Then the multitude came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. Now, this is Jesus and his disciples. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him. For they said, He is out of his mind. So what were they doing? His own people, that's his family, they were going to do an intervention. <laughs> okay, he is like crazy. We've got to intervene. Now, then we read, we go over in this, in the same passage to verses 31 through 35. Then his brothers and his mother came and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. Okay, so Mary and his brothers were there and they were part of this intervention. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and mother. Now, we know that Jesus honored his mother even when he was on the cross. He told John to take care of her. Right? So she would not be a widow without any provision and care, which was very important in those days. So Jesus was not dissing his mother. Okay, But what he was saying here is that he had to follow God. right? And Mary maybe didn't quite get the picture. you know, But eventually she did. We know that she did. But at this point, it's just confusing to her. Here her son is doing all this stuff. And she had to intervene for his own good. <laughs> Can we let go and let him have them? If we do, it's much more fun. If we're not always worried or frightened by every action or influence, we can enjoy them more in the moment. While we teach and train them in the ways of God, we give them wiggle room to have their own relationship with him, which leaves us time and energy to have our own relationship with him. <laughs> As the children grow, our example of our own walk with Jesus is almost more important than our lectures and directives, right? Allowing their freedom is the greatest example of our close walk with Jesus, right? So as they see that we love Jesus and we trust God enough even to have them, that's going to show them how much our trust in God means. If it's not about preserving our own reputations or goals or feelings, quote unquote, but about their well-being, their success for their own sake and God's, then they feel less like pushing away and more relaxed around us. Okay, now I've seen this many times. Like I said, I've, most of our kids are grown. <clears throat> and we have some kids that are in different stages. <laughs> But by and large, as they grow, we are here to love them and encourage them. And if we have to, we'll step in. But that's not our primary place anymore. Now we've released them to God. And now we're here as like some security and someone to counsel with if they want to. And we support them and we encourage them. But we're not bossing them. Okay? They actually like being around us more. And we end up having more influence instead of less. <laughs> When they triumph, we are happy. 
but we realize we didn't actually have that much to do with it, right? It would be sort of like the king arriving to be coronated and the people praising the carriage he rode in. Yes, the carriage is top-notch, has all the bells and whistles, is gilded and glittering, but it's not about the carriage. The carriage was a conveyance for His Majesty, and so are we. This is where we take on the gentleness of Christ. He knows what's best for us, and He wants us to listen for our own good and the good of others. But He is meek and humble. Remember what He said? And has no ego. God doesn't have an ego. I know people try to portray Him like that. like if, But He's not like that at all. He is totally humble. He's the creator of all things, and yet He's humble. This is just crazy, isn't it? So He doesn't push. He stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't barge in. He waits to be invited in. So we set our children free and we become free. Free to love and counsel, even correct, but in the liberty Jesus bought for us. Instead of being naggy and, and draggy and, and you know all those things, we get to be the fun mom. And whenever we start getting worried about them as they venture farther away from us, okay, farther away from the nest, we can stand on Isaiah 54, 13. All your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. So now, with that, I will give you something more. And this has to do with certain unsettling things that have been happening lately, right, in the news. I don't think there's ever been a time where there isn't something unsettling. <laughs> I can remember when I was in military intelligence and uh, we got all the news of all the world. And this was during the time of the Cold War. So everybody was super concerned about the mutual nuclear annihilation and all that kind of stuff. And so we were supposedly being the ones that watched everything, you know, just in case something should blow up, right? <laughs> and we would get all the secret stuff, right? And we would bring it, some things were like crazy, and we would bring it to the attention of our bosses, and they would say, ah, we don't pay attention to that. And I thought, wow, these are the types of things that start wars, and yet they're not concerned. And I looked into the eyes of God and I said, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to be worried about world events ever again <laughs> because it's all in your hands and you're the one that decides what will happen, happen when. Now, in uh, Acts 20, verse 24, Paul the Apostle says this, none of these things move me. And I've got to tell you, that's where I live. You know, I serve a God who's in charge of everything. Now, he lets us have freedom to make choices, and we can make changes and everything, but ultimately, it's his plan, right? And I have his promises that he will take care of me no matter what that ends up looking like. And especially, I look to Psalm 37. And let me read parts of it to you today. This is, I've been meditating in Psalm 37, I think since 1989, I've been meditating. And I, I got a lot of my meditations also from um, uh, Charles Spurgeon in his Treasury of David. It's really an amazing uh, set of books if you want to purchase them. And they're free online. You know, you can reference this stuff free online. That, that Spurgeon, uh, Charles Spurgeon, 
uh, uh, the treasury of David. It's, it's worth a look. Okay, it's a great commentary on the Psalms. All right, so here's th Psalm 37, one through, and, and I'll just read a few verses kind of to hopefully give you some peace today, give you something to grab onto when people are trying to put fear into you. And this begins with verse 1. Fret not thyself. And I'm going to read in King James, by the way, because there are certain nuances in King James that are very meaningful to me. I suggest the new King James if you don't like the these and the thous and stuff. Verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plotteth against the just, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword, and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Okay, now I want to continue reading with a verse, and I'm not sure of the verse, but it's some, somewhere between 30 and 40. <laughs> I didn't put the verse number on there, sorry. It says, I have seen the wicked in great power, and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. <laughs> that is a wonderful, wonderful way to combat any type of negative, horrible uh, news that we get. You know, we get these things every once in a while. The world's going to end. People are going to, we're going to, help me, right? So if we just end it with Psalm 37, we'll have the peace to do that good thing that we need to do for our children and our husbands and our relatives because 
That is our ministry. We don't need to be so upset and afraid that we can't be kind to a little child who wants a drink of water, or for a husband who needs a back rub at the end of a hard day, or for a, a parent who maybe just needs our help because they're in a hard spot. So if we can remember that that we can trust in the Lord, that He's taking care of all this bad news, <laughs> then we can be at peace. We can have the shalom of God when we're dealing with our loved ones and, you know, other strangers, neighbors, whatever it is. So I hope this blesses you. If you could, would you help spread this message by liking, reviewing, uh, starring, whatever it is, wherever you hear it, and sharing it with others wherever you can. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. And you have a wonderful day in Jesus. Bye-bye.